guys, it's me, Ryan, your rival. That's right, get ready for a Pokemon battle, nerds, because I'm going to bring you down. So, I really don't have much to say this intro. Um, not much has really been going on. I am starting a new work schedule at work again, and it's it's going to be a little bit iffy. Um, I might have to take a hiatus of a week off or so just so I can get the backlog where it needs to be so I can at least semi-consistently release on the Friday. Uh, yeah, that, that's about it. Really, nothing has been going on this week. I've just been hard at work finishing stuff. Um, I beat Fuga Melodies of Steel, which is another game that's going to be in a big video I'm planning and have been working on for a while. It's It's got a bit more into it before release. It's going to take a minute before I get this thing out, considering everything else I've got going on. But it will come out eventually, I promise. It's it's too good of a video in my head to not make. Other than that, um, let's, let's just jump right into today's episode with four new things that aren't really new. They've been out for like 20 years, but have fun with them anyway! Episode 39, Pikachu's Goodbye. Synopsis. Encountering a large group of Pikachu, Ash's own Pikachu begins to befriend them. But when the Pikachu flee from Ash, he considers letting his partner stay with the group for their happiness, which would mean leaving each other. The group stops to rest at the top of a waterfall, admiring the perfection of it all. Before Ash swings in on the vine, imitating Tommy's Kangaskhan cries before slamming into a tree, complete with Misty making a George of the Jungle reference. Ash, look out that tree! While Ash writhes on the ground in pain, Pikachu checks on him, and then, seeing another Pikachu in the bush, chases after it. The group follows him and is led to a giant group of wild Pikachu. Ash's Pikachu goes to join them, but they become scared of the stranger and flee to the other side of the field. A smaller, presumably younger Pikachu decides to take the risk and approach, quickly bonding with Ash's and reassuring the group, who run over to meet their new friend. It's a little overwhelming. Ash, seeing his chance to make himself the center of attention, runs out of hiding to greet the Pikachu horde as well. This, however, causes them to all run away, with Brock and Misty telling him that he's dumb and they were scared of him. Back at the waterfall, Ash wonders why they were so afraid, with the other two telling him that it's probably due to the lack of human contact since they're so deep in the woods. The small Pikachu from earlier watches the group from a tree, but slips and falls into the water, with Ash's Pikachu and the group running to help it. Deciding to not have Bulbasaur use Vine Whip to save it, like it has done many times before, the group just kind of helplessly runs after it along the water's edge. Pikachu then jumps into the water, deciding to take action, and swims and grabs onto the smaller one, both now rushing towards the waterfall. The rest of the Pikachu then spring out of hiding and use their tails to chain themselves together and grab the two of them before they fall off the edge, pulling them back to shore. The Pikachu then bring Ashes back to the clearing, caring for it while the rest of the group reluctantly watches from a distance as to not scare the Pikachu. After some electric cheek rubbing, Pikachu wakes up good as new and further bonds with the mouse swarm. Unfortunately for all of them, Team Rocket is spying on the Pikas from a distance, as usual. They justify their plan to kidnap all the Pokemon, then fall from a tree. 
Everything in this forest is public property. And we're all members of the public. So that means all these Pikachu are really our property. Right. At night, the Pikachu all huddle together and sing to the moon in a kind of eerie display. Ash and Misty are watching happily from a safe distance when Brock tells them that dinner is ready and points out how happy Pikachu seems. He then just straight up says, I think it's the best thing in the world for Pikachu to be with its own kind. Kickstarting a very unpleasant thought process within Ash, where he wonders if Pikachu might be best staying. Unable to sleep, Ash envisions Pikachu being happier with its own species, before a screech in the woods snaps him out of it. All three of them rush in to check, to find the Pikachu trapped in a net, with Team Rocket revealing themselves and taking credit for it. They then thank the fans for their support, dedicating this victory to them, most likely a nod to the supporters of the anime during the Porygon incident. Pikachu tries to shock the rope, but it has no effect. Team Rocket brags about their new Pikachu insulated seizure net. Which, yeah, I know they just mean seizure as in, like, capture and containment, but still really not great wording considering how recently the Porygon episode was, even if this is nearly a year later in the English dub. They also proudly say the net is environmentally friendly, so they have that going for them at least. The trio then rushes over to break the Pikachu out, but James is like, check out our website, and shoots a web-shaped net at them, trapping our heroes as well. Taking this chance, Team Rocket flies off in the balloon with their catch. Pikachu then has an idea, and begins gnawing on the net, with the other Pikas quickly following suit. Team Rocket just starts yelling at them, helpless to do anything as Pikachu breaks the net, running up to the basket and jumping around Team Rocket to distract them. On the ground, the protagonists free themselves, using the net that held them to create a safe landing for the Pikachu, which jump out one by one, emptying the giant restraint. Team Rocket realizes to their horror that they lost everything, and then in desperation try to grab Ash's Pikachu as the last remaining one. Unfortunately, they're too slow, with Ash's Pikachu climbing onto the balloon and biting a hole in it, sending them flying away. Ash rushes over, opening his arms to catch his Pokemon, grabbing them from their descent. This scene is always ruined for me because I think of that gif where someone reversed this scene to make it look like Ash just threw Pikachu into the stratosphere. Pikachu then rushes over to the other Chews to make sure they're okay, celebrating with them. Just as Misty and Brock are complimenting Ash's training of Pikachu, he quietly and downtroddenly walks off as sad music plays. It transitions to him cleaning up their camp as Ash finishes telling his friends that he's leaving Pikachu with Pikachu then popping out of the brush just as he begins to walk off. He then tells his Pokemon that he's leaving, knowing that it'd be better for them to stay with their own kind. Pikachu tries to follow, but Ash orders him to stay and runs off crying, recalling some of his favorite memories of his best friend while another sad song plays, this time with singing. Brock and Misty catch up, begging to know what Ash is doing, with him once again saying that Pikachu will be happier this way. Then, 
Just as the sun begins to rise on the horizon, they turn to see that Pikachu chased after them, with the rest of the Chew Horde behind him. The electric Pokemon says goodbye to his fellow mice, as they all begin cheering for him and Ash. Pikachu happily rushes back over to his trainer, jumping into his arms again, the two hugging each other, crying, as all the other Chews continue to cheer. With the narrator stressing their bond is now stronger than ever as this episode shrinks into the classic to-be-continued screen. It's pretty clear why people look back at this episode fondly. While, of course, now as adults we would know, even if we didn't know about the rest of the series and all of the merch, that they would never get rid of the mascot character, a kid that didn't know better would legitimately think Pikachu was leaving. After all, they kind of pulled a lot of the same tricks they did with Butterfree. Finding a better group for the Pokemon to be with, having a memory sequence, and even titling the episode similarly. So, when a kid watching this sees Pikachu and Ash, characters they love seeing together, reaffirm their bond at the end despite everything. I'm sure it can hit pretty powerfully. So while not a grand episode for an adult, it's certainly a good one for younger fans of the series. And even then, that doesn't mean it's bad for older fans, as it's still a pretty decent episode. Okay, up next we have... Episode 40, The Battling Eevee Brothers. Synopsis. Finding an Eevee alone in the woods, our heroes return it to its owner, only to learn that it was intentionally hidden. The young boy is being pressured to evolve his Pokemon by his three brothers, and can't decide which evolution to make his Eevee. Walking along another wooded area, Pikachu perks up and runs off the trail, with the group following him to discover a distressed Eevee, chained up inside a tree hole with food and water. Brock declares it to be abandoned, and Ash wants it for himself, before Misty stops him and points out a tag on the Pokemon's collar. Following the address, the group arrives in Stonetown, a living area at the foot of Evolution Mountain, an area famous for its abundance of evolution stones. After some light taunting towards Misty, who seems to want to keep the Eevee and make it a Vaporeon, the trio arrive at the address. A giant, luxurious mansion. It actually slowly becomes more and more common for them to just arrive at mansions and walk right in. It's kind of an amusing trope, I guess? Walking onto the property, the group find a garden party, and watch as a Poliwhirl is evolved into a Poliwrath via Waterstone, with everyone cheering! Yay! We then see that the majority of the Pokemon at the party seem to be ones that evolve via stone. Jesse, James, and Meowth also see all this, saying they came to the mountain to get stones, but couldn't find any as they dug in all the wrong spots. Deciding to put the stone plan on hold, they then plot to steal food from the party, which Meowth scratches them for. A trio of brothers, each with an Eeveelution, are about to host an attack comparison when they spot Misty holding Eevee and strut over, taking Eevee back and declaring that the star of the show has returned! They call over their youngest brother, Mikey, and give him his Eevee, scolding him for letting it run away. Misty questions the boy as to if the Eevee really ran away, and he sourly asks why they brought Eevee back. His brothers then begin to yell at him to evolve his Eevee, as there's no way he'd be able to win his first battle without doing so, with Mikey replying back that he doesn't care about battles. Don't care! There's Gary. The brothers then each try to convince Mikey of their Pokemon's superiority. 
Sparky boasts about Jolteon, which looks weird from certain angles. Raynor brags about Vaporeon, and Pyro shows off Flareon. Yeah, I bet you couldn't have guessed which one was their favorite based off their name, huh? The three then begin to argue with each other about which is best, then resume forcing their youngest brother to decide. Ash tries to defend Mikey, but the brothers start attacking Ash next, telling him to evolve Pikachu and offering an evolution stone to do it. Quick cut of Team Rocket watching, and then back to the party. That was a really unneeded scene. Continuing their conversations, the three brothers keep insisting Ash's group evolve their Pokemon, with Ash and Brock declining, only to get yelled at by the three that it's the only smart choice. They never ask Misty, despite her also having one, but maybe they didn't bother since she also does have the Evo. Speaking of, Misty lets Horsey out in the mansion's fountain, marking the first time we've seen them in a while. Seeing Mikey sitting alone, she offers him some food as a conversation starter, but it's eaten by Psyduck first. She punches it. Poor Psyduck. Talking to each other, Mikey confesses that he tried to hide Eevee just for the day so he wouldn't be forced to evolve it, going on to say that it'd be fine if it never evolved, as long as it stayed his friend. Misty tells Mikey it's fine, but he shouldn't hide or run from his problems, and instead confront his brothers directly, which he agrees to do. Pikachu and Eevee talk to each other, foreshadowing the two more or less becoming the series mascot. Misty then tells the boy about Pikachu's refusal to evolve, with Ash and Brock telling the brothers that they don't want to force evolution on their Pokemon as well. The brothers try to force evolution again, and with Misty and Eevee's encouragement, Mikey is about to tell the three his decision. Until some poppers suddenly go off, distracting everybody as Team Rocket descends upon the garden. They motto off, and then steal the party's food. Jesse. James. Team Rocket blast off at the speed of light. James, still eating, has his wheezing use smokescreen. Ash quickly has Pidgeotto blow it away, but Team Rocket, very impressively, stole Jolteon, Flareon, Vaporeon, Eevee, Pikachu, Horsey, several partygoers Pokemon, all the evolution stones, and all of the food. All in the span of maybe five seconds, it's a miraculous feat. They left Psyduck, though, to Misty's disappointment. Seeing the Meowth balloon above them, Ash has Pidgeotto fly up to pop it, only to find out that it was empty. I don't know why that diversion was necessary, as Team Rocket had already made their escape cleanly without that distraction, but maybe they set it up as a backup. Speaking of the Rockets, the evil trio is driving off in the car, pulling cages of Pokemon behind them. Horsey, sitting in a little birdcage, spits out ink every few feet to make a trail, which Pidgeotto sees and reports back. At the lakefront, the Rockets make a picnic out of all of the stolen food, setting Eevee closer to them as they decide what to do with it. James also says this kind of weird. From now on, we'll be known as Team Rocket Champions of the World. Champions of the entire world! The trio then have a similar argument to the brothers, fighting over which evolution is the most evil looking, while Eevee watches on. Jesse then comes up with a really fun idea. Use all three stones at the same time. Just as they're about to tap the stones to the V, Ash has Squirtle use Water Gun, but Psyduck jumps in the way and uses its own, more pathetic version, distracting everyone! That's kind of a shame. It would have been really fun to see what happened with the stones. 
Squirtle then uses Water Gun, knocking James and Meowth back, but missing Jessie, giving her a chance to grab the Eevee first. James asks how they were found all the way out in the woods, with, Mi with Misty bragging about Horsey's quick thinking, standing in front of the now-freed group of Pokemon. Jessie tries to walk away with the Eevee, but Misty calls her an old hag, causing Jessie to angrily breathe fire. What? What? Did you just call me? Wow, Jesse just evolved into a Flareon! The duo sends out Arbok and Weezing, and just as Ash is about to send out his Pikachu, the three brothers step in, saying that since it's their brother's Eevee, they need to be the ones to save it, sending out their Eeveelutions. Arbok tries to poison sting Jolteon, but it counters with hard-hitting pin missiles. Vaporeon jumps into and blends in with the water to avoid wheezing before jumping out of the lake into a slam. Team Rocket then tries to make a hasty retreat, but Flareon hits the ground in front of them with Fire Spin to block the way. The brothers demand Team Rocket surrenders, but Arbok and Weezing suddenly turn the tables and beat back the eons. Distracted by their gloating, Jesse gets a face full of horsey ink, accidentally throwing Eevee back to Mikey, with Pikachu then rushing in and zapping the trio. Team Rocket refuses to give in, with Ash's group surprised that they're still standing. Brock says something seems different about them today. Probably the fact that they actually had food in their stomachs for once. As Mikey hugs his rescued Eevee, he notices his brother struggling with their own downed Pokemon, and angrily decides to battle as well, his first real fight. Ash's group decides to let Mikey have this one, as he orders Eevee to use takedown and then tackle, running full speed into Team Rocket. Team Rocket laughs at first, but upon seeing the Eevee's speed lines, begins to worry moments before they're knocked blasting off. Ash's group and the three brothers compliment Mikey's skill. They say that he won his first battle all by himself, technically incorrect since four other people also fought, and that he did it all without evolving his partner, which is true. Mikey declares that he wants to be an Eevee trainer, which his brothers take pretty well, saying he should have told them sooner. They all proudly call themselves the Four Eevee Brothers and decide to change the party to one celebrating Mikey's first win. Back at the house, Mikey thanks Misty for helping him make his decision, as the two agree to be BFFs. They then watch as the big bros cheer on their youngest. That's so sweet! It must be nice to have big brothers! You could pass for my brother! <laughs> Grasshopper have little sense, but big mouth. Bigga, bigga. Everyone at the party poses for a picture, with Psyduck starting the camera timer but tripping just as the photo is taken with the narrator saying that the brothers all learned an important lesson. All of us must have the courage to follow our own true path. We then end with Team Rocket eating canned fish, sad at the downgrade, declaring that one day they'll be champions of the world. I honestly think that this was one of the best possible ways they could have shown off the evolutions. Keep in mind, this was before egg hatching was a thing, so picking what to make Eevee was a really big decision. Having this shown by an unsure child being pressured by his three brothers, each with their own preference, was a great way to demonstrate what makes each of the evolutions and Eevee itself pretty cool. Obviously, this would be a lot harder to replicate today, with all the Eeveelutions and different conditions surrounding their evolutions. But considering it was just the three stone-based ones, the four brothers were a great basis to an episode. My one gripe is that I wish the three older brothers got a bit more personality to match their Eeveelution, 
like Jolteon being spunker and higher energied, Vaporeon being cool and collected, and Flareon maybe being posh or haughty. You know, something like that. Mikey can stay the same, though. He did a pretty good job matching the unsure potential Eevee has. But other than that, it's a good, simple episode. Honestly, if someone asked me to show them an episode of this anime that showed what Gen 1 was all about, I'd point to this one. It's a very average, all-encompassing episode. Which isn't bad, it's an enjoyable episode, it just doesn't do anything overly extravagant in any way. And of course, I'd be remiss to not mention that this episode created an easter egg in Pokemon Go, where naming an Eevee after any of the brothers guaranteed it to evolve into the corresponding evolution. So this episode was definitely enjoyed by people for that reference to survive decades after the episode aired. And it definitely warrants that enjoyment. Episode 41. WAKE UP, SNORLAX! Synopsis. A town the group stops at is suffering from a drought, which also causes a food shortage. Resolving to help the town, the group discovers that the source of the issue seems to be a Snorlax. The only issue is, the Pokemon is very difficult to wake. The group, walking along a forest side trail, encounter an elderly, hairy hippie. Misty inquired as to if he's sitting out here all by himself, and the man responds that he has his music with him, taking out a pokey flute and playing a simple song, which does not match how his fingers are moving. Ash's group, easily entertained, laughs happily at the show. After finishing his song, which wakes up a sleepy Pikachu, the man asks for some food, which the group doesn't have. Oh, we'd like to give you something to eat, but we don't even have anything to eat ourselves. Not even a cookie? Cookie? We don't even have crumbs. The man then dismissively waves them along. Further down the road, the group whines about how hungry they are, having not eaten since the previous day. Just as the group spots a town a short distance away, it cuts back to the hippie, playing the same song for Team Rocket. After asking for some money or food, the trio then mocks his plan, saying he could use some music lessons and walk away laughing. <laughs> Inside the town, the group begins to look for some food, stopping by a bakery only to see to their shock that it's empty of anything to eat. As Misty sobs, Ash calls over the baker, who confirms that they indeed have nothing. They then try a few more locations, nowhere having any food. I'm sorry, but we are closed. I'd like to cook, but I have no ingredients. As the group sits sadly and hungrily, an old man approaches them, asking what's wrong. Hearing that the group is hungry, he takes them to his mansion and gives them a meal. While eating, the man explains that a drought made it difficult to grow anything, causing a food shortage for the whole town. The trio awkwardly stops eating upon hearing this, but the man assures them that he has plenty of food stockpiled to last a long while. Misty and Brock comment that the weather hasn't been that different from previous years, and the man takes them to the town's river, reduced to a small little trickle of water, having become like this two weeks prior. The group offers to go upstream and check it out, to repay the man, revealed to be the mayor, feeding them earlier. The man warns that no one goes upstream anymore, with the group saying, ah, they'll be fine. Two things. One, how did nobody decide to check upstream in the span of two weeks? If everyone is running low on food, wouldn't you think at least one person would go take a look after, like, one week with no water, even if it's dangerous? Because they never really say why no one goes upstream, and not much bad happens to the group, so I doubt it's due to any real danger. And two, 
Of course the mayor has a food stockpile, just like a politician to enjoy comforts while people suffer. What is he, Ted Cruz? Trekking along the riverbed, the group eventually comes to what seems to be a dead end, a large clump of thorns blocking everything. Electing to not go around the thorn bush, which is a very clear straight shot, the pokey crew begins to crawl through it. Once again, you'd think at least one other person would do this or begin clearing them out to see what stopped the water upstream. Misty cuts herself, showing blood in the series for the first time. They then decide to send out their Pokemon to help, something they really should have just started with. Ash has Bulbasaur razor leaf the thicket, while Misty tries to send out Starmie, only for Psyduck to pop out instead, getting tangled in the thorns. Moving ahead in time, the group finally makes it through. They then emerge into a small, empty water basin, and hear snoring a bit further up. Approaching, they encounter a Snorlax, and learn from the Pokedex that it only wakes up to eat, sleeping the rest of the time. They also see that it appears to be blocking the water, and that's why the river dried up. Okay, spoiler alert, it's not Snorlax's fault for blocking the stream, but theoretically, if it was the cause, wouldn't the water just go around it? I'm not a hydrophysicist, but I think it would just, like, rise and go around it, right? Anyway, the three then decide to try and wake it, yelling, shaking it, and then screaming into a megaphone with no success. They then try moving it by force, but struggle, and then learn that Snorlax is the heaviest known Pokemon, with some reaching 1,000 pounds. A quote that aged pretty poorly when we learned about Metagross, Avalug, Mudsdale, and Stonejourner. All heavier and all common Pokemon, with Mudsdale being a solid twice the weight. Cosmoem also weighs more, and Ash carries it, meaning he must be only using like 1% of his power this episode. Ash then attempts to capture it, but his Pokeball just bounces right off. Team Rocket watches, having just made it through the thorns as well, and decide to try their hand at waking it up too. James pops out of hiding with a microphone, Jesse filming him as he admires the Snorlax. Zoom in, camera person. Ah, it's sleeping. Still sleeping. Watch closely, everyone. This is how Snorlax looks when it's sleeping. Ooh, doesn't it look cute? Discarding the camera and microphone, with it not actually being part of their plan, James calls for Meowth in the hot air balloon, which drops down a bunch of grabby claws on tethers. Ash, reluctant to let them steal the Snorlax, appreciates the idea regardless, believing that any way to move the Snorlax is a good one, so both groups work together to hook it up, with Pikachu even using air traffic guide lights to direct them. Meowth cries at the beauty of Team Rocket and Team Twerp cooperating. Meowth begins to raise the balloon, but the cables snap before the Pokemon could be lifted, causing the balloon to spiral out of control to the ground. I knew this wouldn't work! Yeah, we should have known Team Rocket would mess things up. What did you say? Well, it's the truth. Nothing makes me angrier than being told the truth! They keep trying different methods to wake it up, including an alarm clock and splashing a bucket of water on it. Jesse then proposes that they try to replicate the story of Sleeping Beauty, having a noble Pokemon kiss Snorlax. Each team then tries to decide which Pokemon is their most noblest, with Ash's group picking Horsey, since it's like a prince's horse. But Psyduck comes out instead, kissing Snorlax to everyone's disgust, and no real results. Psyduck blushes deeply, though, implying that maybe they enjoyed it a little bit. Ash wonders which Pokemon the Rockets will pick, with Brock guessing they'll probably choose Arbok or Weezing, like always. 
causing the group to gross themselves out by imagining the grotesque scene of either of them kissing. It's animated just a bit too disturbingly. Snorlax will have nightmares. Those lips would give me nightmares too. Contrary to their belief though, Team Rocket instead dressed up Meowth as a prince. Misty looks shocked, Ash looks embarrassed, and Brock just looks lost and confused, none of them saying anything. Meowth demands to know why he's the one doing this, and the other two hold back laughter as they tell him, It's for the boss. Meowth is then grabbed and forced into a kiss. The Snorlax actually stirs a bit and makes a disgusted, sick-looking face, but remains generally unmoved. Meowth tries kicking it, but is just bounced away on its belly. The Snorlax then shifts its way to the side, just enough for Ash to notice a note stuck under it, actually being a Do Not Disturb sign, which also says, In case of emergency, please use a pokey flute to wake. In one of the best English drawovers that the dub has done, Brock then confirms that he heard a pokey flute can generally be used to wake a sleeping Pokemon. Looking the item up in the Pokedex, they then see that it's the exact same flute the hippie from earlier had, and rush off to find him. Team Rocket overhears this and remembers the old musician as well, rushing off to claim him for themselves first. Shortly later, Ash's group arrives at the spot the old man was at and beg him to come with them. The Rockets also arrive, being like, Um, hey, actually, actually, you should, you should come with us instead, wink. Caught in a tug of war with the old man in the middle, Jesse gets annoyed and sends out Arbok, with Ash sending out Pidgeotto. However, one gust attack is enough to knock Arbok back into the group and then send them flying away in a tornado. That was really quick. Maybe you should use Pidgeotto more, Ash! Our heroes then bring the hippie back to the Snorlax, and he seems to be familiar with it, commenting on how big it's gotten, and then tells the group that it's actually his Snorlax, and he just comes by to wake it up once a month, being a little late this one. He then easily agrees to play the flute, near instantly waking the Snorlax up, who then moves after some stretches. They then all realize to their horror that the river was actually being blocked by more, even thicker thorny vines, and realize that they have even more work ahead of them to clear it out. But suddenly, Snorlax begins eating the vines, the man telling the group that the plants are Snorlax's favorite snack, with it clearing them away to let the river flow again. Since the river dried up two weeks ago and this man is a month behind on waking Snorlax up, that means one of four things. One, the Snorlax laid down in a still running and filled river for a couple of weeks before it dried up. Two, Snorlax woke up at some point, which it supposedly only does when hungry, and then sat and slept in an empty basin while ignoring its favorite food being right there. Three, the mare was wrong about when the drought started, or four, the hippie was wrong about how long it's been. Regardless, the group is happy to see the river instantly begin flowing again and returns to the town with the mayor thanking the group and Snorlax, deciding to hold a celebratory banquet. With what food? You still need to grow everything again! As a lot of episodes recently have done, we end by seeing Team Rocket tiredly trudge along beaten. They then encounter the hippie again, who shows the trio a once again sleeping Snorlax telling them ah, it'll be about a full month before it wakes up again, before an alarm goes off and he heads to wake up another Snorlax. Team Rocket then collapses in exhaustion, deciding not to pursue the theft of Snorlax, which then rolls over and crushes them. Another pretty fun episode, and a good lead into the more violent episode that's going to come next.
Also, a good way to implement the waking Snorlax part of the games in a way that doesn't just let the group walk around it, having it instead be causing an issue that needs to be woken to fix. Maybe I'm copping out a bit by not saying much in closing, but I can't think of much to say. It's just a good, clean, fun episode of Pokemon. Okay, next up we have got... Episode 42, Showdown in Dark City. Synopsis. The group make their way into a small town with two rival unofficial gyms. Their violent conflict over which one gets to become an official gym pulls our heroes into it, and they'll have to fight to get out. Everyone arrives in Dark City, a seemingly abandoned and ramshackle ghost town, with no one out even in the middle of the day. A little boy then runs happily into the street, before his mother pulls him back inside, warning of the dangers of Pokemon trainers outside, confusing our heroes. Some rocks are then thrown at them from a roof, with Pikachu electrocuting the attackers, who are revealed to be young kids as they fall from the height. Ash checks if they're okay, and the kids demand to know if they're trainers. Ash proudly confirms this. Yeah, my name's Ash. I want to become the world's greatest Pokemon master. I'm Brock, and I want to become the world's best Pokemon breeder. And I'm going to be the world's best everything. My name's Misty. <laughs> the boy then quickly strikes everyone with a stick, warning them to leave if they dare associate with Pokemon. Just as things are escalating, a man runs over to stop the fight, apologizing for the kid's behavior and inviting the group to his restaurant to explain. I'd explain what's happening myself, but this man's way of saying it is so interesting, I'll just play the clip. In Dark City, there are two Pokemon gyms, the Yas Gym and the Kaz Gym. The two gyms are in the middle of a gang war, and they'll hire any wandering Pokemon trainers as soldiers to battle for them. A shady, overly-dressed figure listens in, with Ash asking Pikachu to grab some ketchup. The man then says that the two teams are fighting to see which one of them gets to become an official Pokemon gym, gaining fame and riches from it, before loud noises outside alert everyone to the Yas and Kaz team's arrival, as the owner rushes them upstairs. Outside, the two leaders rush each other with the rest of their squad, Kaz attacking with Electabuzz, and Yaz attacking with a Scyther. And yes, Electabuzz does sound as great as you remember. <laughs> their fighting injures the opposing team, while also destroying the surrounding buildings, causing citizens to flee the area, and Ash's group to look on in horror and anger, saying they're not even respecting the sanctity of a Pokemon battle. Noises downstairs alert the group to intruders. Team Rocket, having allied themselves with the Kaz Gym, demand food from the owner, with the man declining due to the unpaid bills. Ash struggles to remember who these familiar people are. The man begs them to leave, saying he doesn't want any trouble, which is shown to be Team Rocket's trigger word as they immediately motto off, letting the group know exactly who they are. They're not even really disguised at all this episode. They're not really even trying to be sneaky. Ash is just an idiot. The two send out Arbok and Weezing, attacking the owner as the mysterious stranger sneaks out the door. Ash sends out Pikachu, Misty sends out Starmie, and Brock sends out Vulpix, to the surprise of the other two. They don't even need to attack, as Vulpix just fills the restaurant with fire, burning Team Rocket to varying degrees before they run out of the establishment the stranger still listening in. 
The group are thanked by the owner, the stranger tries and fails to drink coffee through a mask, and the Yas team girl runs in complimenting the group. Frock, smitten instantly, listens to her intently. She asks for their names, but Misty warns that they should give fake ones to avoid involvement. They try their best. Uh, I'm, uh, Ketchup. Ketchup? Uh, no. My name is really Tom Ado. <laughs> well, my name... My name is Anchovy. Uh, oh, and my name is Caesar Salad. Ash defers to Misty, who declines the offer but asks Brock for confirmation, with him saying they'll do anything to help and are dragged off to the ass gym. Pikachu makes sure to bring ketchup, its new favorite food that it's been nibbling on, along with them. This is actually relevant, trust me, this is going somewhere. Inside the gym, the group is intimidated by the members working out as they're led to the leader in the back. Ash is introduced as the elite trainer, despite Brock's Pokemon being the only one to do anything. The leader then commands his Scyther to attack, testing their strength without warning. The Scyther slashes at everyone, missing their bodies, but breaking Pikachu's ketchup bottle, getting it in the Scyther's eyes. Literally seeing red, the Pokemon becomes confusedly enraged, attacking its trainer before being called back. The gym leader, impressed by the display of Ash doing nothing, asks for his strength as Pikachu cries over its lost tomato paste. Ash first asks why he wants to become a gym leader, with the man saying, Ah, it's the easiest way to make money, baby. Hearing his response, Ash refuses to help, saying Pokemon aren't fighting or money-making tools, and that he knows this because he's going to become a Pokemon master. He walks away, coolly thinking how awesome he sounded, before slipping on the spilled ketchup and ruining the moment. Enraged at Ash's refusal, the Yas leader goes, If I can't have you, nobody can! Calling in his other trainers, which call out four fighting-type Pokemon that all beat Ash up. Lucky for him, Misty and Brock managed to rescue him in the confusion. Back at the restaurant, everyone agrees that neither gym deserves to become official if they both act this cruel, with Brock worried that the violence and destruction will cause any Pokemon trainers to be hated in this town. Wondering how they got out so easily, Ash then recalls that Scyther got ketchup in its eyes. He then pulls out his Pokedex, learning that both Scyther and Electabuzz become angry at the color red. How convenient! With this knowledge, the group begins to create a plan to stop the groups. Later, both gyms prepare to end things before the League Inspector comes later that day. Taz Gym's gonna be the official gym of Dark City! Save yourself some trouble and just clear out now! Our heroes and the kids from earlier plan to end things their own way. By making both sides lose, setting up barrels and electric rods across the town. Both gyms confront each other in the center of the town, beginning the fight, with Electabuzz and Scyther being sent out along with the rest of the gym trainer's Pokemon. Both gym leaders' Pokemon easily fight them off, however. Team Rocket is also there, just kind of watching and getting caught in the chaos, but not really doing anything to help. When both leaders' Pokemon are engaged with each other, Ash and his group dump the barrels from the rooftops, spilling red paint on the gym leaders and Team Rocket. Seeing the color red, both gym Pokemon attack their own trainers to their horror and pain. Ash is just on the roof laughing and being like, Haha, that's what you deserve. 
But after the leaders beg for help, the Protags decide to end it, with Ash sending out Bulbasaur to dump the paint on Scyther and Electabuzz as well, drawing their attention to each other instead of their trainers, leading to a tense standoff before they both ram into each other, being knocked out simultaneously. Ash asks if they learned their lesson, with his plan immediately backfiring as both leaders form a truce to kill the kids. Being charged by every gym trainer, it's revealed that this was all according to plan, with Ash having Pikachu zap the rods, leading to wires that electrocute everyone on the ground. Ash asks if the two are ready to play nice now, but they instead pick up a bunch of sticks and prepare to beat this kid to death. But before they can, the mysterious stranger from earlier stops them, revealing herself to be an inspector sent by the Pokemon League, and also a Nurse Joy. She scolds the leaders, refusing to give them official league status now, but saying she may reconsider if they start from scratch and get their acts together, recommending that Ash teach them. They agree, and Ash begins to struggle teaching them, kind of pulling his speech out of nowhere. He tries his best. The two leaders become confused at his rambling, causing Misty and Brock to laugh. Ash then orders that the two repair the town, and they grovel at his feet, begging for Tom Ado's mercy, making Ash regret the name choice. The gym members and their Pokemon work happily on rebuilding their homes, having all had a change of heart. The kids do as well, all deciding to become Pokemon trainers, and jump right past Ash to ask for Pikachu's autograph. Ash then acknowledges that Pikachu really is the star, heading off into the sunset. The children say bye to their hero Pikachu one more time. Ash falls over, and Team Rocket emerges from the wreckage an indeterminate amount of time later, covered in red paint still. The two leaders' Pokemon, seeing red again, charge at them as the team scramble away desperately in a closing freeze frame. See what I mean with Snorlax's lightness kind of setting up a darker episode? And when I say darker, I don't mean a complete tonal shift, I just mean a slightly more serious and aggressive plot. One of my favorite things about this episode is the introduction of the Pokemon League Committee and all of their rules. We know from the games that gyms can be inherited or bestowed, but it's really cool to learn that you can run an unofficial gym and have it officiated if it's up to quality standards. And it's also pretty neat to learn that gym leader positions are sought out for money, fame, pride, honor, all sorts of reasons other than, I am a good trainer. It's some more building that we really only get through the anime. While primarily another filler episode used to show off Scyther and Electabuzz, it's an enjoyable episode with a simple plot that works pretty well. Whoa, hey guys, it's me, Intro Ryan again, back to say hello and howdy-do. Um, so... Just just thank you again for listening. Um, if you have not told your friends about me, please do, because it really, really boosts my feelings to a high degree and increases my chance of the good ending where I date you if you tell your friends. Did you know that? Yeah, there's a good and bad ending with my life. Uh, you got you to gotta pick the ending that, that's good. Yeah, nailed it. All right. And also, if you are not following this podcast on your things, make sure to follow or subscribe or whatever your funny system tells you to do to get updates on when a new episode comes out. And also, because I forgot to plug it last time, make sure to follow the new Twitter account, at Wannavary. It's it's just going to have some updates. Right now, it's just new episode releases, but once I get really into this, hopefully it will have more fun stuff. 
Other than that, um, just have a good morning, day, evening, night, outside of space-time, whatever. Just have a good one, my dudes. Bye!